everyone. I'm Bailey. I'm Drew. And I'm Lacey. And, and we're, we're sarcastic, sarcastic, so let's get sinister. to be telling you guys about a case today. Tell us. Okay, can you relax? No. I've been excited since the last case when you hinted at this case. Okay, so... She didn't tell you what it was. Well, I said the next case. The next one I'm going to tell you. It's going to be about dismemberment. And I have been on another murder and stuff. The edge of my seat. Okay. Well, that was an excellent lead-in to my next bit here. You're welcome. You remember James Rupert? The guy who murdered his entire 11-person family on Easter Sunday in 1975. Hard to forget. Vaguely. He kind of, like, blends in with everyone else. Mm-hmm. Well, do you recall that he lived in his mother's home where the massacre occurred on Minor Avenue in Hamilton, Ohio? No, I do. Well, right across the street, literally 79 feet away. Thank you for measuring. You're welcome. 20 years later... Another very gruesome event occurred. Okay. So first, before we dive into this, I like I feel like the 80 feet away and across the street doesn't really do justice to actually how far away this house is from it, the yeah. other one. Um, so I'm just going to pull this up. I want to show you real quick. I love the visual. Yes. Appreciate it. So, and it's going to be really easy to tell which house is which because... So Oh, it's blurred. It, yeah, the blurred out house is James Rupert's house. The east the site of the Easter Sunday murder mm. Easter Sunday massacre. Yeah. Um I was confused as to why that happened. I didn't know if they just did that to all murder sites or murder houses. But it's actually you can request that Google not show your house. Huh. I don't know how, but you can. Huh. So then you just turn this way away. This is where Tina Mott lived. So it was like across the street and then two houses down. You could throw a baseball from one of those porches to the other. Yep. Way to go, Lizzie. <laughs> Thanks. That's on it. So so in that form of distance, guys, I think you can all yeah. piece it I think that's a good visual for people. You can throw a ball from one porch to the other. Yeah. The average person could. Like, you don't have to be Babe Ruth. To throw the baseball from that porch to the other. Was Babe Ruth known for his... No, he was known for... It was the only... Baseball player came to my head and I was like, if I just say it with confidence, you you I forgot who the audience was. Um, I bet he could throw me a fucking ball. I thought, because we were talking about the Eagles before we started recording, I thought that um, you were going to go with like Donovan McNabb. I wanted to see baseball. Any other quarterback that we've had since Donovan. How can you need to be an baseball? Can you throw a football from that porch to the other? Yes, you could, but I started with baseball. Personally, a football would probably be easier. Um, and because I'm now internally panicking, I can't think of another baseball player. You know what? I can tell she's panicking because she's bouncing. Excuse me, stop bouncing. Don't um, I'm doing it. Reggie Jackson. Is he a baseball player? I'm not trying. No, I think he's a football player. Wasn't he like? Wasn't he the one who did both? Uh, 
I like the don't. Company. Yeah, I feel like we he need to have his, like. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, he was a baseball player, right fielder. He could probably throw it, but also throw further because he's. Yeah, so you don't need to be Reggie Jackson right. or Donovan McNabb. I think the or average or person listening Hertz? to us. Jason Hurts yeah. is his first name. You can throw. Bailiff? You see, I don't know. He's flowers. I know last names. He's flowers. You know, guys, I... I know last names. We we could just settle for Tom Brady, too, at this point. Yeah, I hate him so cash. Much. Absolutely okay. not. All right, like, anyway. Talk about settling. For, like, the bare minimum. So, absolutely not. To remind our listeners, and you too, Hamilton, Ohio, was an industrial city in the southwestern part of the state. There are many rivers, streams, and lakes all over, creating a lovely natural beauty. Beautiful. And because of all the murders... I'm going to live in a swamp now. Okay. Because I can't live in anywhere beautiful, apparently, because that's what happens. Because everywhere there's a massacre. Yeah. On August 7th, 1996, 12-year-old Tim Lyons and friend 13-year-old TJ Dijon. Dijon? Dijon, like Dijon. Dijon. Oh. Dijon. Yeah, I said Dijon. Dijon. Like mustard. (laughs) TJ went to Linden Lake to go fishing. Instead of catching any fish, they caught a skull. The boys, freaked out and unsure what to do, left the skull on the bank. They each told their parents, but were thought to be lying, joking, or trying to prank them. The next day, the boys returned, and the skull was just as they left it. They called the police this time. So, Tim told Forensic Files. Forensic Files? Yeah. So what happened was, when I was researching the Easter Sunday massacre, um, at the bottom of the article, they mentioned that there was another gruesome death on the same street. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And I looked into it and it was like, Tina Mott featured on Forensic Files. And I was like, hey, that's what I... And you're like, I like that show. That's my show. You probably thought to yourself, hot dog. All right, Lacey. So, Tim told Forensic Files that the first officer on scene was pretty much a prick. He apparently threw rock at the skull to confirm its authenticity. That's exactly what they do on Bones. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I feel like it's very similar to, like, when you, like, happen upon, like, a dead body, and you, like, poke it with a stick. That's how you know it's real. Oh, I check to see if anything is real, like, the rocks at it. Well, I... The, the stick it's poking. I thought that the stick poking was more of to see if that person was alive. No, it's to see if it's real. That's <laughs> a that's a common misconception. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. So you watch too much Forensic Files. If you watch like the real shows, like Law and Order. Oh, okay. I was I was waiting to see where we would go with that. Based in reality. Yeah, yeah. You're living in fictional world. Like we're like Scooby Doo. Um, they they poke us. Uh, do they have a lot of dead bodies on Scooby Doo? There's definitely... They're hidden in there. <laughs> it's in the background. Yeah. It's an Easter egg. Yeah. That's for the grown-ups watching with their kids. So, once authenticity was confirmed... With the rock. With the rock. The officer started telling the boys that they'd opened up this whole big investigation, making them feel as though they had done something wrong, and this whole thing was inconvenient to the officer. <laughs> well, he was... He had other shit planned for that day. I mean, his shift was ending in, like, 20 minutes, and now they... Started this whole thing. And, like, that's not, like, a quick report to write up. Like, that's a whole thing. Yeah, you have. I, I get it. It's also obviously the boys' fault. I mean, they put the skull there. Right, they could have shut and up. They could have just thrown it back like mm-hmm. you do a fish. Like, come on. 
When the rest of the police arrived, they searched the rest of the lake with scuba gear and searched the immediate area. They found no other body parts. I tried so hard to get information about this mystery lake. I don't know where it is, how big it is, how far away it is from Minor Avenue. I know nothing about this lake other than it's called Linden Lake. Whenever I Google Linden Lake, all I get is Linden Lake Apartments. And when I find it on the maps, I can't find a body of water nearby. Are you interested in seeing if you can find Linden Lake, Bailey? Why don't you? No, this sounds like a Bailey thing. I think because yeah, we've kind of taken on roles where like one person will tell the story and the other person is like the Googler. Yeah. And it seems that Bailey is the Googler for me. I'm already on my laptop. Yeah. Let us know how Like how during Lacey's episodes, I'm your Googler. Yeah. You could be Bailey's Googler. Okay, thank you. Where? Where? Hamilton, Ohio. Where am I? It's north of Cincinnati. Of the three big cities. Ohio has three big cities and they're all start with C. Cincinnati, Cleveland. Columbus. 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 And that's Ohio. And then two of them own football teams. It is weird to me that Ohio has two. I will also point out that Pennsylvania has two big cities, right? Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, and they both start with P. Technically, you could say that we have three big sounds. Yeah, that's where is. It's the capital, though. Yeah. Yeah, but it's one of those where, like, nobody cares. I feel like if you don't. If you're not from Pennsylvania, you're not near Pennsylvania, and they ask you what's the capital of Pennsylvania, they say Pittsburgh or Philadelphia. But that makes they more sense. Don't know. Have you ever seen someone driving to like? Uh, Philly has more history than Harrisburg. Yeah, Philly was the first uh, yeah. capital. Yeah, so it should States. be the capital. Yeah. Anyway, that's why we don't care about Harrisburg. Um, did you ever see as someone tra- there's like cartoons of a map of Pennsylvania and someone's trying to like label? Uh, like where things are, it's like Philly, all like east side, Wamish in the middle, yeah, yeah, and Pittsburgh. Somebody said I've read somewhere that PA was like two big cities with cows in between. Yeah, like, yeah, we have horses, yeah, there's other livestock here, and Amish folk. We're because I'm searching right now for the lake. Where are we? Hamilton, Ohio. Okay, county or it's the city, Hamilton. Okay. Apparently, there's a Hamilton County in Ohio, too. Ohio. Okay. Carry on. Okay, you let me know if you find anything, because I sure as hell did not. (laughs) The local coroner examined the skull and determined that the individual hadn't been in the lake for long, perhaps only a few weeks. There was still some soft tissue clinging to the skull. So, he sent the skull to Dr. Elizabeth Murray at the College of... Mount St. Joseph to assist in identification. She was one of only 63 board certified forensic anthropologists in the U.S. And I just thought it was like a lovely little coincidence that like she happened to be located in Cincinnati, which is like, again, super close to Hamilton. Yeah. That is nice. Yeah. I'm like, what are the chances, right? It's like meant to be. I wouldn't go that far. Okay. <laughs> but I just thought it was like. Well, ignore me. <laughs> it wasn't even like a full hour away. Anyway, um, as she so she began examining the skull, and she noted m- many interesting things. It wasn't okay. just like a skull. 
Um, there was a deep indentation at the top of the skull, suggesting the killer used a machete or a cleaver on the top of the head. She also found other cuts and scratches all over the skull. This led her to believe that someone had tried to fully deflesh the skull. Based on the nasal cavity, the skull was determined to belong to a Caucasian. She was also able to determine that it belonged to a woman. She estimated that she was under 35 years of age based on the sutures of the skull still being pretty open. Do you guys know what the sutures are? Do I need to explain Is that? Is that where, like, the plates? Yeah. 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 So you know how, like, babies are born with soft spots? Mm-hmm. That is just, like, the, uh, the soft spot is, like, a gap where the bones haven't fused together yet. Um, They start to, like, fill in as they get older, and then they start to, like, fuse together. And yeah. you can kind of tell a person's age based on how far along in the fusion process the bones are. I know they were. Uh, she's a dumb English teacher, so she doesn't know shit about science. I knew it. I said it. And she said <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, but you didn't know what a fontanelle was. Nobody knows what that is. I do. Do you know what a fontanelle is? Don't ask her. It sounds familiar. She doesn't know. It's the, you can ask it's the medical term for a soft spot. It's a medical term for a soft spot. Yeah. The Shops anterior fontanelle. The posterior fontanelle. The Animals have that, too. Um, and when they don't get... Uh, some animals don't, uh, like chihuahuas, will have exposed fontanelles for their life, and it's not good. Yeah, this oh. feels like a not good thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, they just always have soft spot. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, I think it's called, uh, I think it's hydrocephalus, the brain condition, that, like, yeah. pretty much the brain is, like, filled with water. They're so dumb. But they're cute animals. They're like, dumb, but cute. Dumb, but yeah, cute. We all like, for. It's obvious, like, you can just look at it Hi- and see, like... Hydroencephalitis? Yeah, that one. Okay. Um, It's obvious that, like, the skull is, like, malformed, so... Fun. Yeah. Might need so much today. One of, one of my coworkers' dogs uh, has hydroencephalitis. Sometimes you can see the fontanelle move um, when a baby cries. I don't like that. Because the pressure. Um, I believe you. I don't like it. Also, you can tell if a baby is severely dehydrated by the fontanel. Well, if it's it sunken in? Yeah. You yeah. never want to see a sunken in fontanel. It's no, no good. Hmm. Evidence also indicated that someone had used a plethora. Thank you. That's like her favorite word. I love that word. Why? It's a, say it's a it. fun it's word. A plethora. Well, not every hand. It's not nice. <laughs> Keep me a stupid English teacher. I told you one. I don't know why it's that hard. She was the easiest target. You said plethora. She's just making fun of your sister to make you. I'll take her out later. Just whoever whoever falls into the trap. Evidence also indicated that someone had used a plethora of tools on the skull to conceal the identity of the victim. A serrated knife, the size of a kitchen knife, left jagged parallel marks along the sides of the skull. Cut marks on the cheekbones indicated that the jaw had been forcefully removed with a small single-edged blade, like a pocket knife. Several puncture wounds in the eye sockets indicated that the killer removed the victim's eyes. All the teeth were missing as well. In the upper jaw, a fractured tooth root was found, indicating that the teeth had been deliberately removed with needle nose pliers, a tool which had left marks in the bone. Dr. Murray wanted to confirm her findings with two other experts before presenting her analysis to the police. She'd never seen anything quite like this before, 
because the extent the killer went to to conceal the victim's identity was like so extra yeah. and so intense. She wanted to have two other people look at two other experts look at the evidence and confirm her findings before she because she feared that the police would be like, "There's no way that could be true." Yeah. Well, that yeah they that they confirmed it. A lot of work that yeah. they had to. I feel like defleshing is one takes. Yeah, and I'm also kind of also the teeth. Also kind of also, I'm hung up the teeth, but I'm also hung up on scraping somebody's eyeball out of. Well, like, they, you gotta be up in she, there. She said puncture wounds, so someone was trying to like just kind of stab them out, maybe, and then suction them out, yeah. or just like go like stab above the eye, and then yeah, just like just say as someone that has seen humiliations, love that part. It's not what? Not that hard. But even if it's not that hard, I, I mean, kill build certain so, type I mean, of person to be able to do that to another. I just call her kill. But honestly, like you could take like a and yeah, scoop out a knife or an ice cream scoop yeah. or a knife and jab at it. Apparently, no, that's, that's, that's person did. very aggressive. Um, but it's that leaves marks anyway. So she sent the information after being confirmed to the police, and with that information. Hamilton police were able to identify the victim. They had only four missing persons at the time, and the only one who fit the description was a 21-year-old named Tina Mott. She had been reported missing by a woman named Elizabeth Bradford two months before the skull was found. Seems silly to me to go to all the trouble of defleshing somebody and taking out their teeth and their eyeballs, trying to conceal their identity, and then dispose, yes, cut the whole head off. Dispose of their skull in the same town where they were reported missing. I feel like your chances would be better if you had taken it away somewhere to get rid of it. Maybe they thought that she it would be like a very long time. Yeah, I mean, skull was discovered. I don't know where the rest of well, I know where the rest of her body, but they don't know where the rest of her body is. So for all they know at this time, they could have put her head in this body of water they could have put an arm in that one yeah you could have done a lot more work in dismemberment rather than just leaving her head in one spot also i feel like they don't like plan to get caught usually so i also don't know if he was in the right headspace to be like making plans anyway so she reported tina missing elizabeth bradford did um two months prior to her skull being found so in june yeah, so we've identified the skull. It belonged to Tina Elaine Munt, who was born February 21st, 1975. That was that was just a month before the Easter Sunday massacre. Wow. However, she was born in North Tonawanda, sure. New York. Tonawanda. I like how you said short. Yeah, well, like she, she at me. Yeah, but you're not even looking at the word. Sometimes <laughs> she likes to make confirmation for words that I don't know. Well, the thing word. is, is that Bailey's looking at her computer. You're the one who's making eye contact. Yeah. So that's why I'm looking at you. Yeah. She was a single mother of an 18-month-old boy named Johnny, which is a pseudonym. She had been living at 622 Minor Avenue, renting the upstairs apartment with her boyfriend and the father of her child, 24-year-old Tim Bradford. I have a quick question. Okay. If she was living with the father of her child... Why is she a single mother? Yes. Um, I think because they're not married. 
Okay, so just she would have that? considered that. Yeah, since she was, she was just referred to in like basically every article I read as a single Same mother. mother. Okay. But I also thought the same thing. I was like, it, was she single? Yeah. If she was living with the father, so maybe they kid? just kind of considered you a single mom if you were yeah. an unwed mother. Um. Side note: Back to this lake. Mm. I mean, I also can't find it because it's a mystery place. Well, so here's the thing: there's. A lake that they like, that they say it, it's called like the pit by <laughs> Linden Lake Apartments in Hamilton. But when looking at a map, like on Google Maps, like it doesn't really like these tinier lakes or ponds or whatever, they're not really labeled. So I wonder if it's called Linden Lake to the locals, but. But not important enough to have an official name. Yeah. Okay. Like, because it's just, it's just a body of water on Google Maps. Well. If we have any listeners in Ohio who would like to shed some light on this information for us, please DM us because this is probably going to be confusing and it's bothering me. Something that confuses and bothers us for quite some time. Anyway, um, did anybody catch the last name of her boyfriend? Bradford. It's um, and the woman who reported Tina missing was Bradford Elizabeth Bradford. Yeah, so that's mine. I figured it out. Yeah, thank you for connecting the dots. Thank you. Anyway, Tina was originally from New York, as I said, and she met Tim when she was selling magazines door to door. They settled in Tim's hometown. Tina worked as a clerk at a local thrift store, and Tim worked as a framer at an art shop called Moss Gallery. Timothy Allen Bradford was born September 12th, 1971. Um, Just a side note. It was very exciting for me because, like, when I zoomed in and, like, when I was at the looking the maps mm-hmm. to see how far away the two houses were, I zoomed out a little bit and I could find, like, it was, it, it felt like I was figuring stuff out, but I really don't think I was. But I was able to find, like, the art shop that he worked on the map. And then I also found the thrift store that she worked on the map. And it was really cool. Good. Thank you. So, police questioned Tim, and he said that Tina had gone to New York to visit family, and she had left Johnny behind. Tim's mother had been the one who'd reported Tim missing. She had been calling New York to see if Tina was up there, and when she found out that she was not up in New York, she'd gotten concerned. She knew that Tina wouldn't have left Johnny by her own volition. Elizabeth also told police she was afraid of Tim and his temper. Can you imagine being afraid of your son? No. Yeah. Sucks. Police found that shortly after Tina disappeared, Tim had rented a storage locker, so police got a warrant and searched the locker. Uh-huh. They found a set of 19 kitchen knives. They found a book about how to kill you with your bare hands. Hmm. They, someone published a book? Kind of? I feel like it was probably like a survivalist type thing. Okay. And not like a how to murder someone type thing. <laughs> I, I'm hoping it was a survivalist thing. What publisher? What, oh, maybe they could have self-published it. Yeah. Still. They also found a notebook I'll full Google of... It. They also found a notebook full of satanic rituals. Elizabeth told police that her son practiced devil worship. Ooh. At this time, police also discovered that Tim had been withdrawing money from Tina's bank account after she disappeared. Oh, Tim. That's sketchy. Yeah, they actually um got him on ATM cameras doing so. So people need to stop committing crimes with cameras. What year was this? 
96. Oh. She went missing around your birthday. Oh. It's upsetting. We found a PDF. Of what? How to kill someone with your bare hands. Oh. Bare hands. Maybe. See, now you're not going to be on an FBI watch. Talk. Go to that. Especially especially with your, probably your search history of all these other cases. All these murders. It's not going to look good for you. I'm going to start getting weird ads on Facebook now. Flag. So they also learned that Tim used drugs occasionally, and co-workers of Tina reported that Tina had been afraid of Tim because of his drug use. So I think that they that he probably had a change of personality when he was on drugs. Does it say what drugs? Sit tight. One more time? Sit tight, please. Oh, no. So no. next, the police searched the apartment. They checked for blood with luminol. On the living room carpet, they found an area believed to be human blood. They also found blood in the bathroom near the toilet and also in the crevice between the floor and the tub. So, like, that little crack mm-hmm. where the tub meets Where blood might drip if you were, like, dismembering somebody in a bathtub. Exactly. Yeah. You're painting a beautiful picture. Random thoughts. It's connected from what we're talking about. Police believed that the skull from the lake belonged to Tina Mott, but they needed to scientifically determine that. They discovered that the Dum Dum Killer removed all of the teeth. Sounds like an official name. The Dum Dum Killer. Yeah, it's what the news is calling him. You know how it's like the yeah the, the Ripper, whatever. But sometimes Ripper Killer people. Dumb this is the Dum Dum Killer. Felt like it. So they discovered that the Dum Dum Killer removed all but two of the wisdom teeth. They had been embedded in the gum, hiding from view. Dr. Murray extracted DNA from the teeth and sent it away, along with DNA from Tina's son, to confirm identification. That didn't work, unfortunately, because either the teeth were too underdeveloped or being in the lake, the microbes damaged the DNA. Okay. Underdeveloped at 21. The wisdom teeth. Yeah. Well, you know that they don't come in until, like... Yeah, like, they're, like... Yeah. In your late teens, but usually people have them removed by their... But also some people, they, like, never, like, it's never. Yeah, sometimes your wisdom teeth never come in. Don't worry. They figure it out. Dr. Murray then extracted DNA from the skull itself with a surgical drill. The skull bone fragments were sent to, sent for mitochondrial DNA testing. The mitochondrial DNA from the skull matched the mitochondrial DNA of Johnny Mott. Confirming that the skull belonged to his mother, Tina Mott. The mitochondria is the power of the cell. Yes. Oh my and, god. And Where did you learn that? The mitochondria I think it was only has one um, strand of DNA, and that is the DNA from the mother. So you only... So your mitochondria has have DNA in it, but it is my the mom. DNA of your mom's. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So that's why they have to... That's the way that you can confirm... Mothership. <laughs> Mothership. And it worked. Yeah. Exciting. Also, so one of the 19 knives in the storage locker rented by Tim Bradford tested just... positive for human proteins. Oh, I was going to say, some people just have a lot of knives. I mean, you have... We comment on the You have your garage. Those were overflow. <laughs> That's what Tim said. Too. Where where is Johnny during while she was missing? I feel like I so I don't know, but I feel like he was with Ma Grandma. Okay. 
Because I feel like I could see where if she was given Johnny and she was like, I was told I'd be babysitting for a night. Yeah. And nobody's come to pick him up. Mm -hmm. And that's why she would be kind of calling Tina Mm -hmm. to be like, hey, are you coming back? Like, you're not, you would never abandon your son by choice. Yeah. So, like, are you okay? Mm -hmm. What's the plan? Are you coming back? Yeah. I, I, that's the scenario that makes sense in my head that Tim dropped off Johnny and said, I'll be back. Yeah, I think you're that or... I thought Tim and Tina lived with his mom. No, they rented no, an own apartment. Oh, oh. That all backwards my head. And I was thinking that maybe he was taking care of him, trying to, like, pretend like he was... And mom, like, just noticed where is yeah. Tina. Um, but I think yours makes more sense. Yeah. So they questioned Tim again with this new evidence. Sure. And he finally came clean as to what happened to Tina. He confessed to killing her. He told investigators the following, the following story. Tim and Tina had been playing Monopoly on the night, on the night of, sorry, I was just going to say that game does infuriate people. Yeah. On the night of June 4th, 1996, Tim said he was high on acid. Hmm. The couple began to argue with Tina allegedly becoming physical with Tim. Tim hit Tina in the face, giving her a bloody nose. Tina went to the bathroom to clean herself up. Well, Tim started to clean up the room. He was putting away fishing gear he'd used earlier that day. After Tina got cleaned up, Tim said she rushed out of the bathroom to continue arguing with him or to attack him. Right. It's unclear. They scuffled. And in doing so, Tim, quote, accidentally slashed her throat with a fillet knife he'd been putting away. As one does. Yeah, he probably then accidentally defleshed her skull. And dismembered her body yeah, and dispersed her. Yeah, yeah. Who hasn't had the accident every now and then? The knife slips. Does it go through bone? It joints? Who can tell? So, then, Tim said that he left the apartment at that time. Because after you slash your friend's throat, you immediately panic and need to run. Yes. Need to clear your head, okay? Yeah, a lot happens. He was still very upset about Monopoly. When he, when he returned, he found Tina dead in the bathtub. It was so nice that she put herself there. He worked through the night to dismember her. He flushed her internal organs and flush down the toilet. He admitted to using each of the 19 knives found and pliers to remove her teeth. He put the bones in a trash bag, then in his backpack, and carried them to a deserted field where he dumped them. Then he went to Linden Lake and threw her skull into the water. I had something. Well, I I had something, and when you said he flushed her organs, I completely forgot what I was going to ask. Yeah. Um, He used each of the knives. Oh, yeah. After a while, they would probably get dull and get hard to go through. Well, yeah. Remember I said there was a plethora? Yeah. I remember that there were different knife descriptions on, but each 19, I feel like he was just doing, like, a science experiment. Like, he, I think, like, part of it was the acid when he was, like, cleaning up, and he was just out of control. Um, I will say, in, well, in the, the first part of his story, it kind of accounts for, like, the blood... Like, she has a bloody nose where they're playing Monopoly, so blood, like, caught, clearly got the carpet, goes to the bathroom, oh, there must have been blood, like, where, like, the toilet and, like, where they found it. Uh, but then it completely derails. It just gets crazier. Oh. It's just... I, yeah. I know what I was going to say, that the organs knocked out of me. So he says that when he left the apartment, she was in the living room. 
accidentally having her throat slashed. And when he came back, she had moved to the tub. I think that in his mind, or if this story was to be believed, she also, having been slashed on the throat, panicked and went to the bathroom maybe to clean up, mm. I guess. Because remember when he punched her in the face and she got a bloody nose, she went to the bathroom and cleaned up. Maybe she was like, blood, bathroom, clean up. Yeah. And then got Tumbled tired, the tub and... took a rest in the tub. Sure. Okay. Um, so, how are we feeling about the story? Are we buying it? No. Oh. Why? Why not? Because he slashed her throat. By accident. Yeah, it was nice. You're not listening. You're yeah. not listening. Yeah. He was putting away the fishing supplies, and she attacked him. They scuffled, as one does. And, you know, fists are flying. You don't know where your hands are. Suddenly, one goes across the throat. Exactly. And also... With the knife that you have just... I've never you were putting away. You were putting oh, away. you're fishing. Oh. Also, he's high on acid and never taking acid. How do you have this much of a lucid memory of that night while you're high on acid? Like, don't you just... Trip balls? Yeah. That's like, my and, expectation. And I assume you probably don't remember the trip very vividly, so how is he accounting for everything? I don't know. I accidentally slashed her throat. I don't know. We've all played Monopoly. We've all been there. Haven't you wanted to slash the throat of someone you loved while playing Monopoly? No, usually I just flip the table over. Side note. In Forensic Files, they had like a little play-by-play thing, and they flipped the Monopoly board to start the argument. (laughs) Really? I'm sure. Yeah, he's a dum-dum. He deserves to be whooped. Yeah. So... An excerpt from Tim's confession. Oh, that that was his confession? No, 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 this is it. Ready? Quote. After I cut Tina's head off, I used the meat cleaver and tried to split the head in half before I got the hacksaw out. I used a hacksaw to cut up the body. I flushed some of her down the toilet. The rest I put in garbage bags. After I cut up Tina and put her in, in garbage bags, I put the bags in a field near the sewage treatment plant. I threw the skull into the lake. I cut the jaw off of it. I know that Tina was dead when I pulled her teeth. Because when Tina's teeth were pulled, I had already cut off her head. Great sign. I'm sorry. Deductive reasoning at its best here. He said he knew she was dead. Yeah. While he was pulling her teeth. Because he had already cut her head off. Yeah. So the logic nice. is It was nice flawless. of him to right. that she was dead. Before Just in case. Yeah. No critical thinking. Beautiful. A plus. Yeah, it's, it's great. So going back into his, his statement here, I used a pair of pliers to pull her teeth. Nobody helped me do any of it. I did everything myself. I love Tina. He's a proud boy. You know. End quote. That was big boy. I did it myself. Thank you for. After confessing, after making a deal with prosecutors, Tim led investigators to a nature preserve less than a mile from where they lived. I did some research. I'm led to believe it's Riverside Natural Area because it's located eight tenths of a mile from the home, and it has on site the Hamilton Water Reclamation Facility. I was just really excited because I was like, where... So he said by a sewage treatment plant, but also, like, they mentioned she was... He led them to a nature preserve, mm-hmm. but it was two in one. Found it. found it. And it also said it was less than a mile away, and I was like, it's eight tenths a mile. I figured it out. 
This makes up for Linden life. Yes. Anyway, I can see you in the future having like wall and just like with my yarn. Yeah. Just yarn. That can Yeah. I felt like I cracked the case, but I really didn't. Anyway. Or like a giant map on a wall, too. She's like, I'm not measuring it exactly. Anyway. He showed them where he'd hidden Tina's bones in a deep brush area. Because she'd been out there for 14 months at this time, only half of her body could be recovered. Every bone found had marks on it from being cut with either a hacksaw or a knife. When asked why he killed Tina, Tim Bradford only said that he loved her and he was sorry. In September of 1997, so like a little over a year after they found her skull, Per the plea agreement, Tim pled guilty and was convicted of voluntary manslaughter and abuse of a corpse, as well as lesser charges, misuse of credit cards, and theft. Because Did you was... say voluntary manslaughter? Yep. Okay. He intended to harm her, but he didn't intend to kill her when he cut off her head. But Yeah, because, you know, the broken I bones. think that they, well, because they have no evidence to the contrary that his story didn't happen yeah and it, so they had to go with his story which was he accidentally slashed her throat when they were physically fighting yeah. so he intended to anything. harm her by physically fighting her but he didn't intend to slash her throat mm-hmm. because it was an accident uh-huh. he was sentenced to 12 to 25 years in prison on september 24th 1997 he entered london correctional institution in london ohio it's a medium security prison He was denied parole at each hearing, the last one being June 2015. His prison sentence is set to end December 6th, 2023. Oh. So at the end of this year. Yeah. He's scheduled for mandatory release. I know that he was only convicted of voluntary manslaughter, not like first degree murder, but can't they take all the circumstances into account and be like, he didn't just kill somebody. He cut her up into little pieces and stripped the flesh from her body flush her organs and so that's a defiling of the corpse though abuse of a corpse yeah, i feel like that should just get him more time yeah like that doesn't but that doesn't show it's like, not even it doesn't show premeditation unfortunately 30 years i fast math what it's not even it was 97 right yeah so he'll be out before 30 years and i just feel like that's not quite well he was sentenced to 12 to 25 so he'll be out after 25 yeah and that doesn't feel like enough time i agree i'll just say um at the end of the year, he'll be 52. And see, when he's not even, like, super old, where we're like, well, he can't really do anything now. He could absolutely go cut somebody else up at 52. Yeah. I'm just concerned. Tina was buried at Greenwood Cemetery in Butler County, Ohio. She was described by her close friend, Jennifer Pylon, as beautiful and free-spirited. Tina loved to sing. She loved to write poetry, and she had an infectious smile, which I sent you that photo, I think. Mm -hmm. I agree. She's, yeah. Even though she faced many hardships in life, Tina was able to persevere through them all. I thought it was kind of a bummer that she was born in Ohio, or no, born in New York, but buried in Ohio. Mm. Not near her. Yeah. Born in Ohio. Sorry, Ohio. Ohio is, like, it's right over there. Sorry. So, odd little tidbit, on Monday, April 27th, 2020, the apartment where Tina lived and died caught fire and burned. Firefighters were dispatched at 7.25 p.m. and arrived on scene to find flames shooting from the upstairs patio. I actually was able to find, like, their dispatch report. Yeah. So, I actually, like, I saw them, like, arrive on scene. I think they said that the flames were coming out through the alpha. 
side, which you don't know what that means. No. Is that the side that's like right on the street? Yeah, I think so. It they give each side alpha, beta, delta, okay. so that they can communicate with mm -hmm. the other more effectively. Um, Trevor Snyder, Hamilton Fire investigator, said one person was home at the time. They got out because someone quote banged oh, on the door. The fire started on the balcony. No one was injured. Snyder said it does not look like it was intentional. Started on the balcony? Yeah. It had a candle or something? Yeah. Some unconfirmed reports. A poster on Reddit said that they knew this family and following the murder, Johnny was sent to live in New York with Tina's family. So, she didn't... Like, I could see if Johnny still lived in Ohio. She'd be buried in Ohio. But, but like, literally her whole family, family is in New York. That's weird. I wonder if... Maybe they really, could... You would think her parents would... I read somewhere that, like, her... She didn't get along. She didn't seem, like, a strange. Yeah. Or maybe they could... But she like... did... Like, it was plausible enough for Tim to say she went to visit family in New York. Yeah. And that to be, like, And they plausible. sent the baby to live with them. Yeah. Maybe Tim... they couldn't pay for transport of her body there still yeah makes me grumpy i'm just giving it possible i know i'm still grumpy about it okay tina's former next door neighbors said that after her death they'd occasionally seen her shadow pass by the windows in the apartment i don't like that another neighbor firmly believed that bradford consumed portions of tina's flesh after cooking it on the balcony do they have any really reason for believing that or okay just they were like i could see him doing up. that uh oh Imagine like, giving off that kind of a vibe where people yeah. like, not only do I believe he killed her, I think he ate her. Yeah. He was on acid. It's very different from the usual. Well, so he said he was on thing. acid. Yeah. And then also, I feel like flushing her internal organs and her flesh down the toilet is a lot of flushing. Also, how does the pipes handle that? Again, so I could, I feel like an acid acid completely how does he remember and have a story that loses it? Like, that's the part that I don't get. But, I, so, my last thought, before you can mm -hmm. say your thing, was, I wonder who knocked on the door of the burning apartment? Tina. Was it Tina's ghost? I, I just assumed the neighbor saw flames, but, you She know. saw, <laughs> well, I was, because they couldn't, they couldn't confirm who did it. They just heard banging on the door, and then they left. They couldn't find so anybody. So, no neighbor was like, hey, I got yeah. you out. So I wonder if Tina's ghost saw the flames and was like, hey, you need to get out of here, bro. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I think it was nice. Also, during my research, research, I found that there's a place in Ohio called New Philadelphia, and I'm just like, what the fuck? Why do you need a new one? The old one is good. Because they want one of their own. Also, they have, like, their own London. fuck do they think they are? Ohio. Ohio is She's just very Ohio to me. As somebody who's never been to Ohio. Or known anybody from Ohio? I just seem to marry on brand. Uh, been through Ohio. Yeah, I land. I had like a. No, I drove through it. No, I know, but I'm layover. saying I had a layover in Ohio. Um, on my way. I hope Tina haunts the shit out of him. Yeah, I hope he gets out, and wherever he ends up settling down, she's there to haunt him. Yeah, she's just. Stuck there. I'm disappointed if that's the case because, yeah. like, none of her family is there. Right. I think that if she could choose where she was going, she wouldn't just be hanging out there. Oh, I'm gonna show you the other photos that I have. Also I'm just disappointed that that was what they were able to charge him with. When, mm -hmm. but like, I can see it. 
they do from have, their perspective yeah like it's going to be very hard to try to get anything higher i know it, it, i know you'd need a lot to prove it was premeditated but not even premeditated you could get like second degree yeah something other than manslaughter something yeah. harder in front of it say that again something other than manslaughter something with murder in it yeah um i do even though manslaughter sounds more aggressive the word murder. i wanted to show you a photo but that's her and johnny oh or a pseudonym johnny quote-unquote johnny yeah that's tim he at the time evil that's him current he still looks crazy yeah so i feel like well first of all i feel like acid messes with the brain chemistry and has irreparable damage or is that lsd don't know. I don't know. Or is it the is, same? Are you Google? Um, no eyes. The Dare program would be very upset with us right now. Acid is LSD. Oh, there yeah. we go. Um, and I have to assume that if he was just if he was tripping and playing Monopoly. This wasn't his first time taking it. I'd also be willing to bet that in the last almost 30 years, he's been having whatever drugs he wanted in jail. Yeah. So um, There is an online petition to try and get him to stay in prison. Oh. Um, however, like, I don't know. His sentence ends. Yeah. I, don't I feel like there's I don't not we much can we can do. That's not really... Yeah. You can't really keep him in jail. They're like, well, enough people want it, so we're just gonna... So LSD can cause long-term damage. Yeah. So I feel like if he is a habitual acid dropper... Maybe that's why his eyes look crazy. Yeah. I don't know how easy it is to get LSD in prison, though. I feel like he's probably... If he is still on drugs, he's probably moved on to something else. I watched 60 Days In. Mm, a little bit. Clips in there. You're, if you were going to say that, I was going to say you should. It doesn't have anything to do with how easy it would be to get LSD specifically in there. I just really love it, and it does show how creative they are about smuggling stuff in and making their own drugs in jail. There was something in the one episode they made that was called, like, Whip It or something, where they would take... It's a type of dog. Yeah, this wasn't that. Um, but, like, because the... It's also, like, a way to get high whippets. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. now that you said that, yeah. Yeah, they would, like, make it in there. Oh. And I just feel like whatever kind of high he was after, I'm sure he could achieve it. Yeah. Well, that was sinister. And we were sarcastic. And we hope you keep listening. Follow our Instagram at sinister underscore and underscore sarcastic for show updates. And we also post each episode with some photos. We are always looking for new, interesting show ideas. So if you have any folklore, true crime, or mysterious cases for us to cover, please feel free to DM, DM us on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. If you're enjoying the show and want to purchase some merch to show your support, you can find a link on our Instagram.